Good morning. Today we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 18 verses 1 to 8. We're going to be looking at a story that Jesus told his disciples. He told them this story to encourage them and to challenge them to remain people of faith. That through the trials and tribulations of life that awaited them, but also await each and every one of us. He encouraged them to remain faithful, to remain fully committed and fully trusting in him. And he also unpacks the vital role that prayer plays in helping us do that. So I'm going to read the passage, then I'm going to pray and then we'll start to unpack it. So I'm reading from Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I'm reading from the NASB, but don't worry if you haven't got a Bible, it will come up on the screen. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Father God, I want to pray that you would take my words and through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would encourage us, you would challenge us and that you would ultimately help us draw nearer to you, deepen and enlarge in our understanding of what a glorious, amazing God you are. In your holy name I pray. Amen. We read in these verses a story, a story where a widow, a widow who has a just claim, the story assumes she, she has had an injustice done against her. She has an adversary and she um, is bringing it before a, a cold-hearted, disinterested, immoral judge who's completely unrighteous. But through her sheer persistence in coming and pleading her case before the only one who could deliver her justice, she wins the day and she receives her justice. And this acts as an illustration of how all the children of God should be praying. We should show the same persistence that the widow has done in coming before God, because he, he alone is the only one who can show breakthrough into our situation. But in doing so, we're also showing that we fully trust him as the only one in control of, of, of everything. We also see a contrast that unlike the widow who was faced with this immoral, unrighteous judge, we see that God is painted in a, a completely different light. He is the righteous judge. He is compassionate. He is loving. He loves to draw near and answer the, the prayers and give justice to his elect that persistently cry out to him. But before we look at those two things in a bit more detail, we're going to look at the context which is important for us to be able to understand those two later points in and the first point is will I find faith in verse 8 Jesus asks his disciples a question 
he says to them, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? We have to look to chapter 17 to understand what's taking place here. In chapter 17, Jesus tells his disciples that he will suffer, he will be rejected, and he will go away for a time before returning. This would have been devastating news to them. Losing the Messiah wasn't what they anticipated was going to happen. And they didn't, you know, they knew tough times were ahead. Jesus was no longer going to be by their side. But Jesus asked them that question, will I find faith? Will you continue to trust in me, even though I'm not here? Will you continue to, to look towards me and show me your full commitment? And we see in chapter 17 that, that two groups of people are, are spoken about. There's the first group of people who, in the time between Jesus going, will become disheartened. They will lose heart. They will drift off, become distracted by the things of this life. It mentions in chapter 17 food and drink as some of the, the vices that might grab them. But ultimately, they, they lose heart and they, they lose their faith in God. They're no longer willing to, to trust in, in him and, and, and remain committed to him. But we see in the second type of person is the opposite. They're someone that faces the same struggles and challenges of Jesus not being here and, and the delay in his return and the trials and challenges that come. But they remain faithful. They remain committed and in a, a obedience continue to, to honour him and glorify him. And we see that that's what, what this question is asking today. Who will we be? Will we be men and women of faith or will be Will we be men and women that lose heart and drift away? It's important to, to just briefly touch on verse 7. It mentions the phrase, God's chosen or God's elect. We are only saved by grace. It is nothing to do with our works, nothing to do with our worthiness. It is entirely God, entirely him. He has chosen to come and to reveal himself. To send his precious son to the cross to die and then to rise up from and defeat death. And it's through that precious blood of Christ and that victory over death that those of us that receive the gift that comes from God can be in his chosen and in his elect. It's entirely in his sovereignty who is in that number. And it's not for individuals to, to try and decide and, and work out who who is in the chosen and the elect. But it's important we're saved by grace and grace alone. But it's also clear that there will be some that, that appear to have received the message, but do drift away. And we see that um, this, this is also discussed in the parable of the sower, another, another story that Jesus tells. He talks about a, a farmer sowing seed and God is the farmer and the seed is his word. And there's many scenarios, but I'm going to talk about one. He talks about a seed that's thrown out, goes into the ground. It starts to grow. It looks great. But then the fawns and thistles start to surround this plant. And it says it chokes the life out of it and it, and it withers away and dies. And this is symbolic of, of 
what what can happen to some people they lose hearts the troubles of life the the difficulty of unanswered prayer of difficult situations and trials and suffering gets in the way and 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 there are a number who lose hearts but Jesus is clear he he encourages us and calls us to be those that don't calls us to be like Paul who in 2 Timothy says I have fought the good fight I have finished the course and kept the faith it's a fight it's a battle it certainly is that but we're we're implored to to continue to continue the good fight in order to remain faithful to God and to remain committed and fully trusting in him and this is why Jesus tells this story because he goes on to unpack just how important prayer is in this process for us in terms of identifying us as children of God but also in fueling fueling our faith to be able to persevere through these tough times so the second point is persistent prayer it's quite clear through these eight verses that a hallmark a hallmark of the faithful a hallmark of God's children are that they are praying people and that they pray always. Verse 1 says that. They ought to always pray. Verse 7 also talks about crying out day and night. There's a, a consistency, there's a persistency that must be there in our prayer life as Christians. That's what we're called to. We must be obedient to that. And it's also across scripture. Thessalonians 1, chapter 5, pray unceasing. We must never cease praying. We must consistently be coming before God in dialogue, bringing our requests, bringing our prayers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. This is particularly important because it's in a chapter that talks about spiritual battle once again this battle that Paul has talked about there's a battle going on we have to fight fight to to remain remain in the faith because there are temptations there are um, powers that will come against us and try and make us lose heart prayer is offered as a response to that a key key part of the armory of protecting ourselves against losing heart and remaining a people of faith. And we see that in this story, the widow, the widow's behaviour just illustrates the level of, of which we should be persistent in prayer. It talks about in this story that she she consistently keeps coming and bringing her case before the unrighteous judge. The only reason that he, he eventually gives in and, and, and gives her her justice is because he says she's worn me down. She keeps bothering me. And interestingly, the, the wearing me down phrase can actually be translated as giving him a black eye or giving someone a black eye. This was the kind of persistence that she came with. I mean, imagine a boxer. A boxer, if he, if he tries to take a round off, He's, he's probably going to lose the fight and probably get seriously injured. He's got to be constantly, constantly going, constantly alert, constantly throwing punches. 
This is what this widow did. She was determined. She was courageously persistent. And in the face of a hopeless situation, a hopeless situation, she was a widow. She was already vulnerable. Most people in that society would have had a, a male relative that would have gone and pled their case for them. That, that was the, the culture of the day. She, you would assume, had, didn't have one. She was pleading her own case. She also couldn't claim upon the two main, main causes of the day. You know, we read she, she couldn't claim upon godly law because the judge, the unrighteous judge, didn't, didn't respect God. She couldn't go to court and say, upon this um, uh, commandment in the Old Testament, I should be given justice. We also see that he didn't respect man. She couldn't go and say, look at me, I'm a vulnerable widow. I'm in a hopeless situation. Have compassion on me. Look at me. Look at my situation. The understanding of, of this type of judge would be that he would have only responded to a bribe. It's unlikely that as a widow she had the money um, to, to, to pay to receive her rightful justice. Yet she, she's persistent. She continues going. She models this relentless pleading of her case. And why? Why does she do it? She does it because she knows that despite this judge's immorality and failures, he is the only one who can deliver her justice. Her only way of obtaining her rightful justice is to just continue pleading her case before him. And that is what we need to do. We need to illustrate, not just out of obedience, we've seen from this passage and others that we've been commanded to pray. So as children of God, we must be praying at all times. But we must also come before God because in doing so, like the widow, we acknowledge that God is the only one who has the authority to deliver us from our situations. He is the only one who has the authority to remove those things that burden us. There's an acceptance as we, as we persistently bring ourselves like this widow to, to prayer before God. What we're saying is, is, I fully trust in you. I fully trust in you. And I, I, I know that I'm totally at your behest in terms of whether you will remove this situation from me and grant me justice. And that's a sign of a faithful people trusting in God. It's also important to just briefly touch upon prayer, how we come to God. I think that we can come with what I would describe as authentic prayer. Pray unceasing. There's going to be a range of emotions that we feel. There's going to be a range of different times. Sometimes we'll come and we'll prayers of rejoicing and, and delight and in awe and wonder of God. But sometimes it's going to be in the battle. We're going to be in terrible situations like the disciples faced of Jesus' imminent departure, an uncertain future. And we'll all have situations like that, that we face. Be prepared to come to him in dialogue. The Psalms are full of prayers of desperation from David, where he's crying out about the difficulty of his situation. He's saying, God, break in, 
How can you be allowing this to happen? Please, in your compassion, move. Move. We read on in chapter 18 and we see that there's a man who goes into the temple and he beats his chest and he goes, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. Let's be free. Let's be free to come to God in authentic prayer. Whatever our mood, entering into dialogue with him. Acknowledging, just like the widow, that he is the only one who can change our situations. And that we trust, we trust in, in his authority and we acknowledge that. There's also a second thing that persistent prayer does. John Piper describes it as prayer is, a, is, is the fuel. It fuels Christians. There's something about when we come in, in prayer to God, we, uh, our heads are lifted. Often we'll come and we'll start praying about something, but, but we'll find we don't, we don't end praying for that because as we come into dialogue with God, we're reminded, we're reminded of, of who he is. We're reminded of his character, his awesome might, his awesome compassion and love for us. And that fuels us, that fuels us to, to not only pray prayers of honour and glory and worship, but it fuels us to go again, to continue praying for these long-term things that we've been praying for, where we haven't seen breakthrough. But it also reminds us of where he has broken through. Duncan spoke a few weeks back about prayers where we, we look back and we, we thank God for how he's answered prayers in the past. And that fuels our faith. That fuels our faith about who God is, why we trust in him. But it also fuels our faith to continue in prayer, to continue bringing our requests before him, because he has already shown himself to be a wonderfully compassionate God who loves us and has answered many of our prayers. Let's use that as a fuel. It's the lifeblood, the lifeblood of the children of God. We must use prayer. We must use prayer to sustain us, to fuel us, to remain a faithful people and an obedient people. And I suppose it, it's not lost on anyone that, that, that COVID, we're in, we're in a bit of a, a challenging time ourselves. COVID has gone on a long time. It's gone on a long time. And I know that I've had conversations with friends, both Christians and non-Christians, have, have said, you know, what's, what's God doing with this? How can, you, how can you keep kind of believing in God in this time? But it's also part of, you know, the, the, the 50th prayer meeting, praying for a, a vaccine and um, praying for, for an end to this, to the lockdown restrictions. It's hard. It's hard and it, it's easy in these moments to lose heart, to stop praying for these things. And as a result, to ultimately be saying, God, I, I, I don't in some part believe that you can, can bring an end to this. I don't believe that you can bring an end to this. But yet, as, as I pray, as, as I bring and as we bring ourselves before God again, we're reminded that he is a compassionate, loving God. We're reminded of the wonderful prayers he's answered already in this season of people getting better, people recovering. We're reminded of um, the, the wonderful uh, things that, that God has brought out of this season, even, even out of the, the tough times, the suffering, the loss. 
we can still in those times of prayer see, wow, God's really, really strengthened my faith. He's really helped me to trust in him. He's deepened my devotion with him. He lifts us, lifts us above COVID, seeing this as a temporary thing, draws us into his character, reminds us who he is. And that fuels us, that fuels us to keep going, to keep praying for an end to this, this COVID season, to keep believing that he is listening to our prayers and that he is a wonderful God who will act when he sees, sees right. So I want us to, to be a people who commit, commit to modelling this widow's persistence in prayer, both individually in our own times at home, but also corporately. And it's not about numbers. It's not about the amount of prayer meetings you get to. It's not about the amount of times you pray. It's about an increase. It's about us intentionally, purposefully saying, Lord, I'm going to come before you more in prayer, in dialogue. Because I trust in you. I trust in you. And I know that you're the only one who can deliver, deliver me from these, these situations. And, and, I, and I, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. And I bring myself before you in obedience. But also faith. Faith that you can move. Faith that you can move. Moving on to the final point. A righteous judge. We see here that that the widow is coming before this, this immoral, immoral, heartless, cold judge. But this is a classic case of comparison. And there's a wonderful encouragement to us as children of God that our God is nothing like this unrighteous, disinterested, cold, lacking compassion of a judge that she is pitted against. We with our persistence in prayer, we come before a God who loves, loves to give justice. It says that, it says that in verses 7, 7 and 8. He loves to give justice to his children. He loves to. He will not delay long. And we know that this is, this is who our God is. We know that this is who our God is. Our God is a God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt and did a wonderful miracle doing that. But also then when they were grumbling, they had the audacity to grumble in the desert, then provided them, well, we had better food in Egypt, then brings manna down. He gave them, he didn't have to, but he chose to. We read in Matthew 6, he says, if I provide for the birds, how much more will I provide for you? He cares for us, he loves us. He talks about in Matthew 7, if even evil parents give their children good gifts, how much more will I, a loving, compassionate, righteous father? We need to smash down this inherently wrong image that some of us have when we come before God as a tight-fisted, Ebenezer Scrooge-type judge. I don't know if you've seen the, seen the film Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge is this really mean boss at the start. And when he's uh, employed, Bob Crutcher even goes to turn on the fire. He goes, what are you doing? Even in the perishing cold, because he wants to save money. And also he wants to be mean. He wants to demean Bob. Do we have that view? Do we have that view? Do we, do we come before God in our times of prayer as, 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 as if he's this immoral judge that the widow's coming before? 
Because that's not right. If we are, that's wrong. That's not who God is. We need to, to realign our thinking. As children of God, we can approach boldly. We can come before a God who loves to hear our prayers, loves to hear our requests, and is compassionate and loving and giving. And what greater sign is there than God the Father gave his one and only Son for us? All humans, since the fall of Adam, in our perilous position of choosing our own way, saying that we know better, not being people of faith, not saying I trust in you, but saying I know better. Taking our own path. What the Bible called sin. Putting things before God. And as a result, creating a divide. Yet in his love and in his compassion, he sent his only precious son down. who lived a perfect life to die a sinner's death, to suffer. But then to rise again three days later, victoriously in defeat death. So that you and I, who come before and receive the free gift of Christ and commit our lives and turn ourselves to trust fully in him, can have life. Life in abundance now, but also for eternity to come. He is a giving God. He is a giving God and he loves to give. So I want to encourage us this morning. We should be persistent in prayer, but we should also be encouraged that we bring our persistent prayer before a loving, compassionate, giving God. Let's be bold, bold in our prayers. So I want to encourage us to pick up situations. Perhaps there's situations where you've stopped, you've stopped praying. Maybe you've stopped praying for an end to the COVID situation. Stop praying for healing. Stop praying for an end to, to the habitual sin that grips you. Stop praying for a friend or a loved one to come to know Christ. What well, I want to encourage you, we come before a loving, compassionate God who is giving. Pick up those prayers again. Pick up those prayers and come. Come expectant that you come before a loving, compassionate, righteous, giving God. Yet we're not in a situation where it's a mathematical equation. It's not a case of rubbing a, a, a genie's lamp like in Aladdin and, and the wish comes true. It's not a situation of if we just come like the widow enough times and we chalk up enough prayers, God will answer them. It doesn't work like that. It's very clear from verse 7. There's a delay. There's a delay in justice, even for the compassionate father. So we have to walk this balance as Christians. This balance of having faith that God can do fantastic miracles on the one hand. But also that we have faith that when he doesn't answer our prayer, that he knows what he's doing. That in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, he knows what is best for us. He knows what is best for you and me. And that's the balance that we have to walk. That's the path we have to go down. And I think one of the biblical stories that illustrates this really well is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the book of Daniel. Where they're 
they've given a choice. You either bow down and worship a false god, renounce your, your faith, and you live, or you don't, and you get thrown in a fiery furnace in almost certain death. And there's this moment where they get stopped again. They get given the choice again before, they're, before the furnace. Just looking ahead. Picture that. Looking into the, the bleak furnace of what was to come. And yet, when they're given that option, their response is so wonderful. Their response is that we have the faith that even in that furnace, that God can rescue us. That he can do a miracle. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will not renounce our faith. We will not turn our backs. We will remain faithful to the Lord because we know that he alone is God. He alone is sovereign. And we trust in him, whether he deliver us, delivers us from this situation or not. He does. does an amazing miracle in that situation. But... That's, that's the kind of faith that we need, to, we need to aspire to. We need to see put into practice in our daily lives. So as we enter now into a, a, a time of reflection, I'm going to close by praying and we're going to go into a song. But I want to just reiterate that we need to be faithful, faithful men and women of God. We need to be persistent in our prayer we need to model the the widow's persistence in coming and coming with our requests authentically doing so whether we're happy or sad showing that we trust in him and him alone we also need to allow that to fuel fuel our faith as we persevere through tough situations and seasons that can go on for, for lengthy periods prayer is is a help in that. But we also need to pray knowing that we don't, like the widow, come before a judge who is unrighteous and horrible. We come before a, an amazing, perfect, loving, compassionate judge. We need to allow that to, to embolden our prayer and to fuel us that as we come before him, he loves to hear from us. And as we do so, we we build reserves we build reserves like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that say I believe in God I have faith for the amazing miracle but I also have faith that even if he doesn't act he knows best he knows best for my situation he knows best for yours and I will trust you I will trust you to the end let's be men and women that when the son of man returns he can can look at us and say He's found faith. He's found trust in us. We haven't lost heart. We've continued fighting, fighting to the very end. And that we, like Paul, can cross the line and say, I've finished. I've fought the good fight. I've kept my faith. That's something wonderful to aspire to. And we have eternity. Eternity with Christ God the Father and Spirit in heaven. What a wonderful inheritance. What a wonderful thing to look forward to. Let's pray. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us today. 
I say sorry for moments when I'm weak, moments when I lack faith, where I don't trust and I lose a bit of heart. I pray today that you would strengthen me, me and my brothers and sisters, to come, to come again, to place our full commitment and full trust in you, both to do wonderful miracles, but also trust and faith in you to persevere when you choose not to change our situations because you decide that that is best for us in those moments. And I pray that you would embolden our vision, embolden our vision of you, how you love to hear from us, you love to hear from us. Pray that you would just encourage us to keep bringing our prayers, both long-term and short-term, to you. I pray. And finally, Lord, I pray for any people today who are watching who, who don't, don't, don't know you. They wouldn't call themselves a man or woman of faith. I pray, Lord, that you would help them if, if they want to put their commitment in you today. I pray that as they do that, that you would help them. You would help them to make that come alive. To show them what a wonderful, compassionate, loving, big, giving God you are. And that you would help them in their early days of walking with you, repenting of their sins and turning to walking in obedience. I pray for these things in your holy name, Lord. Amen.